Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah! Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. There's a guy, Lou Pinella, who you're going to cross paths with later in your career. Uh, you played only one year in the Bronx. You head to the A's for three years, and then we get to the Reds, where your career really kind of took off and you became that ace number one guy. Uh, you played there from 88 to, to 95 and Lou wasn't back in your life right away, but I, I got to hear this. Cincinnati, Pete Rose is your skipper. I, th- listen, Jose, I, I grew up with Pete, okay? He playing with, with my dad and I was just a little kid, but I grew up and I saw Pete and I saw him you know, in his heyday. I want to hear what it's like playing for Pete. Oh, Bonnie, it was it was it was a great, great beginning for me. You know, be coming up at Cincinnati Ray and had Luke Pinella uh in the Yankees and then have P. Rose as a manager. And I mentioned Lou because Lou was always, always it was on my back, always trying to make me better, always giving me advice, even when we played together at the Yankees. I don't know if we're gonna have him in the past in the future. Unfortunately, I did. But when I got there and I saw P. Rowe as a manager, that was unbelievable. Then that's something that nobody, nobody, not only at 18, like I was, mm-hmm. at any age, any age, I was expected uh, Lupinella, I mean, uh, P. Rowe to be a manager. And P. was so right away into me, he asked me, he said, Jose, what do I need to you? What do I need to do to you or with you? To make sure you feel comfortable here. Mm-hmm. What happened to you in open? And mm-hmm. right away, I went out. Mm-hmm. I told him what I uh, went through. Mm-hmm. Tony La Russa. I said, mm-hmm. Tony La Russa, 
he want me to pitch a no hitter every time I go out there. I mean, I, I will pitch good, but always and never and it was never good enough. And I remember that they Duncan uh, being the pitching coach. Uh, he said sometime a couple of times that uh, Eric Plunk, one of my great teammates, he said Eric Plunk developed better before you, which I know it wasn't true. He got a great arm too, and becoming a good pitcher. But I know he wasn't better than me at that time. And he told me all that, and I said, "Damn, that's a lot of pressure." He said, "I don't want to, you know, be there because I got to, I feel I got to pitch a no hitter every time that I'm in the mound to stay at the major league level." And he sent me down like four or five times. I remember one time I, I beat Boston three to one, and he sent me down three days later. You know, Russell did. And I said, I don't want to play, you know, for him anymore. I asked Sandy Anderson, the GM, that I want to be traded. And he asked me why. I said, I just don't get along with Tony Duncan. They, for some reason, they don't like me. He said, Rosie, I can't trade you. You know, I trade Parker for you. You know, he, we got to make the trade look good. So I can just turn around and trade right away. He said, you got to show me, you know, then I may trade you. And Lou, I mean, uh, Pete would say right away, oh, so he got to throw a no-hitter? He said, I don't care here. He can get your ass kicked every day. I ain't going to send you down. You're going to pitch for me no matter what. And I said, why? He said, I trade my best player for you, Dave Parker. So you got to make me look good in that trade. So don't you forget that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was so nasty. Because right away, opening day, well, this is unbelievable. Opening day, it was tied in the 12 inning. And he didn't give enough time to get loose because he was running out of pitcher. Uh, he told me to get in the mound and, and pitch. And I remember I gave about four runs opening day. And I said, oh, there we go again. They're going to send me down again. The next day, they get, the game was tied in the seven. And um, Pete called me up out of the bullpen again. He said, Rio. I hope you get your butt kicked again. You're still not going down. You're here to stay. So do your job. Don't worry about it. I remember I won like eight games in a row out of the bullpen. Then he said, "You got. I got enough for you at the bullpen. You're going to be a starting pitcher now. And you're going to be here for good. So that was it. That's what I need to hear. And that's the, the conference that I need to develop to become who I became in, later in the future. That's cool to hear because – because what people don't realize that often is, especially a young player with a lot of potential, uh, I think that's kind of the art to managing a little bit. It, it's the great ones it can read the room. They know the personality. They know they know a young Jose Rijo and how to get the best out of you. You just said it. That's all I needed to hear from Pete was that he he believed in me and I wasn't going anywhere. That that settles your exactly. mind enough. That settles your mind enough to just do what you can do. Where. Pete, maybe with another type player, an elder player, you know, a veteran player, he might have a different approach to him to get the same result. And uh, that's really cool to hear because sometimes that's all it needs. And that's the mental side of the game. Pete told you what you needed to hear. He knew you were a valuable commodity to that team and he needed to get the best out of Jose Rio. The next five or the next six years. uh, now you have a two three nine, a two eight four, a two seven zero, oh, two five. Oh. I look at your whole Cincinnati career, Jose. You were only an all star one time in ninety four, but you could have been an all star three or four times uh, with that with that earned run average. You were the you were the. It was just my elbow, my elbow, my elbow, my elbow was yeah. really keeping me out. Yeah. Uh, talk about that nineteen ninety season. 
Uh, we've had we've had a bunch of them on. We've we've had Boogie on here, and for you listening, Boogie is Eric Davis. We've had Lark on. Uh, I've had Spuds. Uh, we've had the Nasty Boys, all three of them on the on the program. Uh, Paul O'Neill, Hal Morris, and these are all guys that you kind of that were coming together in 1990 in that in that World Series champion season. Um, you go from Pete to Lou Pinella, Lou your, Pinella old buddy, yeah. your old yeah, buddy yeah. back from, from the Yankees. What was different about that 90s team? And when Pete, um, when, when he passed it from, when it went from Pete to Lou, how did that change or did it change in Cincinnati? 1990 spring training. It did change. It did change a lot because, uh, unfortunately, we don't get to develop uh, Pete Rose's uh, managerial career and the knowledge he have in the game. Uh, Pete was great. He was going to be awesome. He was going to be a winner because uh, the way he played, it is the way he went. It was teaching us how to play the game hard and, and you know, and, and physical, you know, and also being smart. Unfortunately, you know, we get to see the development of his managerial career. But then when we went to to Lou uh, Pinella, it was unbelievable. He, he, Lou got the Spanish mentality, and he played again for so long that it was uh, easy to play for Lou. Lou, Lou was kind of a psychologist, psychiatrist in, 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 as a manager. I mean, he would read your mind. He would motivate you like you won't believe. To this day, I learned that it don't matter how good of a team you have, if you don't have a good manager directing your 25 player in the 10 duration, he ain't going to win. For example, the Oakland team, it's no way you should have been in the same field with them. They were so much better. But knowing my teammate, like like the guy we just mentioned, uh, Davis, uh, Larkin, uh, the Nasty Boy, Morris, uh, all the guy, the way they think, the way they learn how to play the game, that's what the different make right there because uh, they was playing smart, hard, and know what you know what to do. They believe in themselves, they believe in their teammate, and they believe they were going to win. As a matter of fact, let me mention something that I don't think you ever going to heard it before. Uh, before or after, we were the only team in baseball in the whole world to win wire to wire from day one to the World Series, being first place. And that was no coincidence. It was no talent. It was just a combination of all of them combined. And that's what we learned from Pete to Lupinella. I remember one day that I was pitching, and uh, Lupinella came up. And we were playing in Cincinnati. It was a day game in July. And I went in the game three to one. And I got the base loaded in the seventh inning. And it was so hot, Bunny. It was so hot. You know how to get there on that turf. Yeah. Then uh, when he came in in the seventh, he never take me out in any game except on one, and that was the game fourth in the World Series. He never took me out of the game without asking me how I'm doing. And that day, he said, "Real, I got it. How you feel it?" I said, "He wanted to know the truth. He wanted me. He wanted one of my story." He said, we need to win this game. We need to win this game. How you really feeling? He said, I said, Lua, I'm about 60% right now. I'm dehydrated. He said, good, good. I said, what do you mean good? He said, you look at the guy in the bullpen warming up. I said, yeah, it's got scatter. He said, he's 100%. But I prefer you 60, 
finish this inning and I take you out. I ended up, I ended up striking both out and then he took me out. I said, that motivation, that's a compliment about being a different, about being a winner or just being a good team, for sure. That, that's cool. You said he was a psychologist. He was a psych, psychologist. He was. He was. Just that, he just, right, he just turned your attitude from, Lou, I'm 60%, man. This is tough on me. He turned it from, well, your 60% is better than his 100. All of a sudden, you got a little burst of energy. Like, that's what I'm Absolutely. talking about. Absolutely. And, and those, are little, those are subtle things that aren't talked about in the game but are so important. Exactly. Exactly. Even, even now. In the same year that we're talking about the World Series, I remember yeah. uh, get, get, game fourth that we're supposed to be swept. We're supposed to be lose, you know, four games real, real quick. And then uh, we won the first three. And then in, in the in the fourth game, I remember Billy Hatcher got hit in the, in, the, in the wrist. He was out of the game for three months. Eric Davis dove for a ball mm. in the left field. He's broke his mm. uh, kidney. And... Mm. It was mm. one and nothing in the seventh inning, mm. and uh, I came mm. out out of the field mm. and I stepped up in the, mm. in the, in the dugout, mm. and I told the guy, I coached mm. him out. I said, "Listen, guy, mm. this is the last day we're gonna play a game if we want to. We need to win this game because there's no way we're gonna win another game without Archer, uh, Davey, or myself." against that team. We need to win. Give me two runs and let me finish this game and let's get out of here because no, there's no way we're coming back here anymore. And, bro, and it, so I don't even remember how they scored those two runs. And Arkin told me, Rio, you got your two runs. Finish them up. I remember ended up retiring the last 20 bottles that I faced. And then in the ninth inning, I strike out Harold Bain. And I thought we were going to finish the game. And that's the first time the Lou took me out without asking me how I'm doing. I remember him uh, waving uh, Randy Mayer right away. And uh, I said, Lou, what the heck are you doing? He said, Rio, uh, you did your job. Let me do mine. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm pitching the whole year for this moment. Now you're taking me out. You could at least give me a chance to get somebody on base. Because can't say, you don't play today. I struck about three times the first game. Now he's going to pinch it and he lead the hit in home run. He said, if you don't do your job, you are I see you outside. That's the, the kind of relationship that me and Lou developed, which is great. And I remember exactly it happened that way. He took me out. Randy came in. Conseco came to hit. And I went sit down. I was so nervous. I was unbelievable. And Lou, she missed me. He said, don't worry about it. We got you. We got you back. And so of a sudden, we right away. He popped it up, and uh, we won the ball game, and it, it was awesome. It was great. It was. You talk about that series, and and that was like it was like they they the, the media made it out to be David and Goliath. I mean, it was the Bash brothers, exactly. Yeah, you know, yep, yep. And the Reds weren't supposed to win that that series. Not only did you win, but you swept them. Uh, exactly. Me, I remember. I, I remember that that the day that I was pitching that that opening day. Then I went to eat my lasagna, and I uh, always read the, uh, the the newspaper to see the report. And I remember seeing the front page of the USA Today. It said in the sports page, it said Oakland. They got six players. They got Stewart, 
Coach Seco or Maguire or Ricky Hamilton, Danny yeah. Eckersley, and somebody else. Then when I turn the page, Cincinnati, they only got my photo in there. I say, Jesus, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Everybody was in favor of Oakland. I mean, there's the one people in the whole world that I read about it, um, media-wise, that it was give us a chance to win one ball game. It was unbelievable. It was awesome. Uh, to sweep them, uh, you win the MVP. You go two and zero in the in that World Series, and only four games. There's only four decisions. Um, yeah. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Going back to Cincinnati, you know, a city I played uh, five years in. You played more than that. Yeah, I think you played nine or ten years in Cincinnati. Um, what was that like coming home, doing that parade in front of the hometown fans? And I got one more question for you about Cincinnati, and then we'll move on. But talk to me about okay. coming home, being the World Series MVP, and, and that and that uh, parade that they held for you in Cincinnati. I, I want to make this a little bit more interesting. I remember uh, I was winning in, in, in Oakland, and Every team throw a party, uh, uh, get together, you know, eat, whatever. I remember Marshad being the owner, and there was no food, no drink, no nothing. I ended up eating a white castle. I ended up eating a white castle that day. I got like 24 uh, little burger. <laughs> but the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing was when, did, when I came home, when we came home from in the plane, I can see from the airplane all the way to my house the sign. We hope we love you. We hope you president. We hope this. Then when I got into my car, all the way to my house, there was just a lot of sign. We hope MVP. We hope this. It doesn't get no better. They made me feel like I was the I was the mayor of Cincinnati. Very. That is cool. That is awesome. I want to talk about Marge shot a little bit. You know, Jose, I played for her later. I played for her in the mid-90s. And, man, she wanted to win, but, boy, she was cheap. <laughs> we, you know, I remember getting I remember getting on a plane to, to L.A., and we were flying commercial, which I want to – which really wasn't fair to us as players. That being said, it wasn't fair to the public that had to ride with us across the country. You know, and we had all of us, absolutely, front, absolutely. all of them in the back, and it wasn't fair either way. You know, that was a that was a time where Dion was a pretty big deal. We're sitting there in the in the airport, and Dion Sanders is there, and it was kind of a circus for us flying to L.A. It but was. I remember, that's how Marge was. You know, it was man. Uh, yeah, Marge, I need a new I, I need a new T shirt. Well. I, I need your old T-shirt, and I'll give you a new T-shirt. But at the end of the day, she wanted to win. Give me, give me just a funny Marge story, Marge shot story. Marge, Marge was a, um, she was a sweetheart. She was uh, weird in a way. She was tight. There's nothing, you know, no other way to put it. Uh, but she was uh, a winner. She wanted to win every time, you know. Uh, she used to invite me to her house, you know, ride the elephant, uh, ride the camel. But the, the, the biggest thing is, like, when I was uh, hurting in 95, then I got my surgery, the team made the, the playoff. She didn't let me fly in the plane. She said that I wasn't going to pitch, and why do I want to go there? She told me she had, they got no seat 
for me in the plane. No room. But she took the the tough dog. Yeah. In the in the fourth class seat, but she cannot <laughs> take the the best picture to to the seat to, to root for my teammate. That's some of the stuff she was doing. But the worst thing she did was in, the, in after we won that World Series. There was no party, no no food, no drink, no get together, nothing. Like I said before, I ended up eating my White Castle, like twenty four little burger. And then, so when we came home, that that stuff was so beautiful that you know we just don't have any bad moment. If you have any bad moment in your life, you forget about it. Because seeing the public, seeing the fans, seeing Cincinnati, so excited, so happy. That's what the game was all about. It. Not for us just to win. It's just for the city. And the city show, show you so much love. I mean, all the way to my house, I seen the sign, Rio, we love you. Rio president, that is unbelievable. It doesn't get any better, you know. One of the reasons that I keep coming back to here for Cincinnati, believe it or not, I feel better, I'm more comfortable in Cincinnati than when I'm a Dominican. Because pe people here appreciate it, bring a winner to Cincinnati. That's the one thing, when you you know, and I never got a chance, I, I got a chance to go to a World Series, I never won one. But once you win one, those those people in that city, that part of the country, they never forget that. And and that's yeah, not, and not only that, especially when you get the MVP too. <laughs> that's that's right. Always, <laughs> you know that adds a little bit to when you're signing autographs. Like, well, that's an extra thousand if you want me to write the MVP. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Really cool. Ninety-four. Yeah. I came over. I got a chance to play with Jose with you for for a couple of years. We were teammates. Uh, the strike year 94, we were good, man. We were wired to wired, and it ended up we ended up uh going on strike 95. We had the playoff run, uh, and really a good nucleus we had we had intact. Absolutely, absolutely. Your arm problems, your elbow always bothered you. Said since a young age, you had the surgery after 95, and you did something that not too many people, nobody I ever knew, did. But you took – you had five years off. Nobody thought Jose Rio was ever going to pitch in the big leagues again. You come back in 01 and you pitch. You pitch in relief. And in 02, you you, you go back and you start some games. I think it, you're the only guy ever that's that's been off five years, came back and won a big league game. You played for Bob Boone. I got to hear about what it's like playing for, for my pops. You know, it, it, it all started, you know, him being a, uh, a coach, he was awesome. And then when he became a manager, when I come back, my biggest task that I had to make the team, it was booting. He catched for me. He was a, he was a manager, and he catched for me to see my potential if I was still able to get major league players out. And then he would call pitches in a, in a different situation that I would throw it. But he would just test me. I tested my arm to see how I was doing. And it was unbelievable. I remember him, when I throw uh, one pitch, the fastball inside, he said, ah, you got enough. You ready. You ready. Go rehab and come back. You ready. That was unbelievable. And then pitch for him. I remember that, that they needed a starting pitch when I was in the bullpen after my five surgery. And I remember Jim Bowden told me, we need a starter. Can you recommend somebody? I said, yeah. I said, who? He said, myself. 
It's every weekend pitch no more than two innings. You ever going to fall off? You pitch more than three innings. They said, that's right. Nothing to lose. So they sent me up there. And I remember being up there, being 5 I know. I was leading, I was leading the league in Edwin Avery, like I think 1.25. And to one day that we play in San Francisco, Booney uh, was thrown out of the game for some reason. And I was in the seventh inning, losing the game against the Giants, three, three to one. And I remember um, the pitching coach, he left me out there and threw 125 pitches. After all that surgery, all that time off, that was the end of my, my, my career all my life. Because I can't even left my arm the next day. I went to a rehab, a stretching, but still, it wasn't the same anymore after that. Yeah. And, and you finished. That was, that was the last time, 02, that you yeah. pitched. I mean, great career. 05, uh, you get a phone call from Cincinnati. Uh, got inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, which – you know, I've been back for some events, and, and it's really a cool I, – I think it's Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. Stands out. It's a little different than the other ones. The Yankees have a prestigious one. St. Louis Cardinals come to mind, but the Cincinnati Reds, uh, prestigious. And uh, Bunny, Bunny, I think be, being a Cincinnati Red player, you got to be – you got to feel special. Not because you're the better team than anybody else or you getting paid more than anybody else. It's because the Cincinnati Reds fan – they love the player. They love the baseball team. They love baseball. And they, you know, they're crazy about the baseball team. Cincinnati Reds fan, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jose Rio, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on, and, and it's fun catching up, and I'm sure I'll see you at, a, at an event coming up soon. For those of you out there listening to the Boone Podcast, appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 